Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all. From the floor to key to DP, just ride. All my people worldwide. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Bay Heights Pod. I'm Jason and with Ryan here. I hope you are all doing good. Um, just, yeah, if you have any feedback, just feel free to reach out to us at bayheightspod at gmail.com or at, at bayheightspod on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, we love hearing from everybody. And if you have anything you want us to cover on the show, we'll talk about We'll uh, take a look at your comments and uh, bring it up on the show. Hey, so Ryan, um, the um, the one back a, back a while ago, actually, hold on. Um, question for you: What's your what's your favorite favorite band and movie from the nineties? Um, I, I don't know if you consider Wu Tang a band, but okay, ensemble, yeah, sure, but, group. Yeah. yeah, okay, so Wu Tang, um, Pearl Jam. Um, and then movie from the nineties, I mean, Shawshank Redemption was in the nineties, right. uh, a time yeah. to kill, um, demolition man, you know, the, all the, um, all the elite, you know, film study, uh, movies that, you know, we talk about today. Oh, Pulp Fiction as well. So yeah, the movies, we can go run the gamut, but band probably, <laughs> yeah, probably like Pearl Jam and, and Wu-Tang Clan for me. Yeah. What about you? What about okay. you? Mm, see, so movie for sure is Good Will Hunting. I think that's my favorite movie of all time. Oh, okay. So if we're yeah. going to see it on the 90s, definitely sure. that. Yeah. Um, in terms of bands, yeah, actually, you know, I guess I'm, I'm not necessarily enough of a music head, but like, um, I'm thinking, because I guess the band that sticks out to me in the 90s is Nirvana, just because okay, I yeah. didn't like yeah, of course. Unplugged. I had that CD, I remember playing that a lot, but like, mm-hmm. and then later, um, just like Dre and Snoop later on, but um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the reason I was uh, just bringing it up, just uh, on the topic, I was just reminiscing about the '90s. Was in one of our previous pods, you you had a bit. You started talking about the '90s big man or the '90s tough guy. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what I wanted to explore a bit was first, I wanted you to dive in a bit about what your take was, and sort of just like I think it sounded like like there what maybe will contrast like the differences between the '90s guys and then the '20s guys. Like what's, yeah. So what was your take actually that led you to even think about it? So I just think that it's always a fun debate, right? Especially, okay. you know, players, um, sorry, um, friends that, uh, that you have, that I have, um, maybe some a little bit older. Um, I just think generational debates are very personal for people. They're, they're very emotional. It's that's, okay. you know, it's, it's because the second you, the second you allow, say, an NBA player that you that you revered from the 1990s, the second you like start liking a player that maybe plays a little bit like that player, but maybe a bit better because it's 20 years later, um, that, that somehow it's like, why did you even like the player you did when you were growing up? You're just wasting your time, right? Because 20 years later, there's going to be a better version of him. And I, I think today's NBA players are are all athletes, right? They're they're athlete first, 
right? They're all about their nutrition. They're all about their workouts, their strength and conditioning. They, they are the best versions of themselves athletically. And then they study tape and they do drill work. Whereas maybe in the nineties, you just played basketball. It was as simple as that. Right. And you had roles and you stayed within your conventional norms. Now the game's just changing way too fast. You know, we talked about a previous podcast, how Allen Iverson kind of changed the way the point guards play. Well, now point guards are changing all the time and centers and power forwards and everyone's a stretch something, right? It's like, yeah, you're a stretch six player. Now you're a stretch center. You're a stretch small four. Like they just, these guys are so positions are becoming more and more ubiquitous. And I think for me, that's amazing to watch. And I'm sure for you as well. Like I just like seeing excellence all the time, but it can be kind of daunting because, um, the player that you grew up watching um, maybe just couldn't cut it today. Like I loved Penny Hardaway. I loved Nick Anderson, Gary Payton, Larry Johnson. This goes on. I don't right. know if they're even playing Jeremy Lin minutes in today's NBA, okay. right? We just don't know that. So um, it's not an NBA problem. It's all sports are going through this, right? Sure. Everyone's got their, yeah. their favorite athletes from, from the nineties that probably <laughs> couldn't play in the NFL today, couldn't play in the NHL, couldn't play Major League Baseball. So there was, um, you you were bringing up something about the big men of the 90s. Yes, and how, I was talking about Akeem. So Akeem, was it just Akeem yeah. or you were talking about other guys too, like how so they would I don't think so. I, yeah, I was probably a little bit goonish and, and, and okay. yeah, in the way I just said it. Like Akeem's game, yeah. he was so different. Yeah. And he was so dominant, especially in those two years, that yeah. I could see Akeem playing today. And we see guys like him play today. And, in fact, better versions, better dribblers, better shooters, guys who can shoot threes, guys that can dribble more than he does. Akeem was an excellent passer, an excellent shot blocker. So that would translate beautifully in today's game. Um, he was athletic. So I think Akeem was – like, basically, if I'm picking a, a center, right – in in the 1990s that could that i could see play today it's it's a game okay. and i don't even know if i'm picking shack I, I i just i struggle with shack because oh okay because i see i can see guys shutting him down i can see teams shutting him down i can see that championship mavericks shutting him down i can see the detroit pistons shutting him down heck i can't even see um Pau gasol you know he he really played in those championship years with the lakers he was you know, he became like his brother on defense. So I just think that guys maybe could have played Shaq the way the the way they just couldn't when when he was winning kind of his rings with LA. And well, so, like, go okay. ahead. Well, Shaq, um, like, I mean, he's so dominant. Like, if he played today, though, right? Picture him against like Draymond Green at center. Like, wouldn't he just? Like he would just score every single time, like every single possession. You would just or, give Shaq the ball and he would or, score. Or um, the Warriors have such a pace that Shaq's getting into foul trouble because he's late. Um, he just can't run. I mean, we for Shaq to play against the Warriors, he would have to be that like 99 version Lakers where he's just like he's skinny, like skinny Shaquille O'Neal, cut Shaquille O'Neal, guy that actually okay. did his offseason workouts. <laughs> that the, the Shaquille O'Neal that just like, you know, bodied uh, Sabonis and um, and whoever on the Sacramento Kings and, you know, just embarrassed the Kemi Matumbo when they played uh, the Sixers in the finals. I, I just don't 
what what's Shaq gonna do to Joel Embiid today? I just oh I just you killed Joel. Oh, you think so? See, I I I don't I don't okay. think, I, I I don't think anyone does anything to Joel Embiid. That's how I just impressed think that, I am with Joel okay. Embiid. But but Joel Embiid's kind of like my um, my flag bearer for like I, I like Joel. Big. Yeah, I just don't see um, Shaq because because Joel is kind of same kind of long body that Akeem was and you know when people thought that do you remember Akeem and Shaq uh we're gonna do a pay-per-view event that Taco Bell one-on-one challenge no okay no <laughs> so they were actually gonna do the one-on-one and okay I think Akeem got injured or whatever but it was it was one of those wolf tickets things where both guys weren't really committed and I don't think Taco Bell was gonna pony up Ten million dollars <laughs> of the winners, but yeah, I remember that they were, these guys were training for like playing a one-on-one game. So um, like, yeah. So you scoff at Joel Embiid? No, know, no, no. Of... I, I just not just Joel though. Like, mm-hmm. I just think what would happen with today's league is that Shaq. What would happen is whoever the point guard would be, he just mm-hmm. they'd pass Shaq the ball. He'd be in the paint, and then the other guy would basically foul him. Okay, when finally in quarter one. And then Shaq kind of misses his two free throws or one of them. Mm-hmm. Then they do it again the next. And then it's like the six-minute mark. And then the second guy fouls him again. Okay, he's just sitting on the bench. Draymond, Joel, like all the guys of today's NBA, they would just get up and they would just get in foul trouble. Like because they can't guard him. Like, I and then Shaq would just score points. Yeah, but I also see Shaq getting in foul trouble, which is what he did a lot in, in, um, in Orlando, right? Because, you know, Shaq's defense was suspect a lot of times. I just see Shaq having to run way more. Um, just having to, like, but he can't. Oh, but he like, can run though. Uh, okay, so great. Let's let's see Shaq play Anthony Davis on the three point line. Let's see Shaq play Andrea Bargnani on the three point line. I mean, like to do this to every single center that he'd have to do now, because when Shaq was kind of exiting the league, that's where that's where the bigs were going, right? So he was, you know, here you have this guy who was kind, never quite a defensive liability, but but almost. And Shaq was really good though. Right, but then, but then, you know, how would his defense stack up to today? Where like these centers, they run, they pass, they shoot, they dribble. I mean, Shaq having to guard David Robinson, who's just gonna get an entry pass when he's low post, that's fine, right? Because that was the role back then of these bigs. Shaq but having the thing to guard is- Anthony Davis today, yeah. um, Marcus All, like. Where, where's he going to stand? Where, where is he? Is he going to, is he going to switch off? Is he, how is he going to play these guys? Like he, he has to be a really lean shack. He's got to run and he's got to run for pretty much every team in the NBA because that's, um, that's he where ran a lot with the Suns, with the Steve Nash Suns. And like, yeah, with, with Shaq, he, the thing is, I feel like this, we think of the game, the way it's played today. I think when you put a guy like Shaq on the court, it just changes the dynamic of the game and the, the geometry of the game and like in like but you um, see why i'm picking a keem right like if i have to pick one guy whose game like yeah. really like like okay like shaq is a hall of famer top you know he's probably mount yeah. rushmore like i'm not i'm not i'm, not, I'm just trying to say well, like the, the yeah. argument for me is like if i have to pick one or two or do i think Akeem, Shaq can yeah. make it i just i just struggle with shaq i don't struggle with a keem okay that's all i'm trying to say so yeah, fair enough. I, I can kind of see where that comes from. I can kind mm-hmm. of see how a team could kind of blend into today's game. I can kind of see that. Um, plenty of centers in the league today don't shoot three pointers. I'm just trying to think like which ones that would be, like Serge and 
Marcus Law, I guess he can shoot threes. Yeah, he shoots. They're threes. not, but 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 they shoot threes. Like they don't. Yeah. When they, when they get the when, yeah. when they get the ball on the three point line, they they don't like the crowds chanting shoot because they're like, like doesn't Charles doesn't Charles Barkley have the worst percentage for amount of shots <laughs> taken? So basically, okay. if if Barkley's shooting the three and you don't mind Barkley shooting the three during his playing career. You definitely yeah. don't mind Marcus Saul shooting a three. You definitely yeah, don't yeah, mind yeah, Serge yeah, Ibaka. Yeah. No, no, they're, they're like, good. They're good. Yeah, I'm just thinking whereas, where where team blends in. Um, just Shaq before I close off on him it was uh, I was thinking of a uh, Daryl Morey's quote. So I think yeah. talking about how the 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 era of three and D and and basically rims and threes. That's kind of the game today. And Daryl helped bring that in. And so someone asked like like how Daryl like picks his teams based on this strategy you're talking about stretch the court out shoot threes go for dunks when you can or layups so then they asked like okay well how would Shaq play today's game and then he's like oh you then daryl's response is like oh we get 40 a night it's like is, wow. is he available <laughs> and then or no no they asked him like so like like uh, asked like would you would i mean what about Shaq? would you have him and he's like yeah sure i'd take him and then he's like how would you play him he's like Oh, we just give it to him and he dunk every he dunk every play. He's like, is he yeah. available? Because he I don't see any guy who's like Shaq who's available. Wow. So so Daryl's view is like, you know, in terms of efficiency, because I don't know, I think that Shaq would just have like an eighty percent field goal percentage if he played in today's NBA, because they would just give it to him and he would dunk. And then like and then like I don't know. So I, I won't belabor Shaq too much, but like that's the nineties big so put say Joel Embiid or Giannis or um who's another big in the league Anthony Davis mm-hmm. or and now and Draymond Green is not a big but he plays no. center or plays yes. forward, power forward for the Warriors so let's group them in there take those guys or any combination of them and put them in the 90s and how how that plays out you think okay so this is where the argument goes insane like like super quick right because players okay. just Sorry, friends. Again, um, this this is very much um, this is very much a, a barbecue conversation I have, right? Okay. Because, okay. But but the X and O, like in terms of the big guys, when they go, tell me which you agree with this or not. Like, or okay. more like this, what do you think about the idea that when the big guys, if they're in the these guys, like Joel and Anthony Davis and uh, Giannis, like if they're in the nineties, that the idea that well, okay, maybe not. This doesn't apply to Giannis entirely, but shooting threes. Like, do you think that that's just this? A simple argument that yeah, well, they'll just shoot threes, and that'll be the end of the game. They'll just like that. Just said, just keep shooting threes. Like, do you think that is an argument that holds water? If you it, put them back in the nineties, in the nineties game, um, that's almost. It's like, or do you buy more the idea that well, what would happen is is that those guys would just get pushed around so badly on defense that no, um, no, no, that no. that completely okay. that okay that. Just throw that shit to the can, right? That that's okay. that's the stuff. Again, we're getting back to the pejoratives, okay. the emasculation okay. of these guys. No, but oh, I don't then believe the, and the three the, point shooting. Okay, that's like saying does does Usain Bolt beat Donovan Bailey <laughs> in nineteen ninety-six? The answer is yes. We know this. We we have quantifiable data that this takes place. So yes, okay. Anthony Davis is gonna shoot a three point, and yes, like David Robinson has to guard him on the three-point line, which he's never had to do. And Rick Smith okay. and like 
all these guys who are just, okay. you know, they, they, they play in their 10-foot world. So, no, they, they definitely have to stretch out. So, yeah, of course these guys shoot threes okay. and they score points that way. I mean, because they know how. I think like a Joel or a Giannis, those guys are pretty big and strong. Now, if you take a Draymond or a Serge or a Marc Gasol, how about those guys? Like, okay, uh, the three-pointer, I get it. But, like, in terms of the the, the, the resilience and the ability to, to hold their ground against guys like Charles Oakley and um, – so uh, I guess I guess doing? I guess I guess a good I guess a good comparison is like how would Serge Ibaka do against Antonio Davis, right? Kind of, you know, decent okay. jump shots. They they they're they're uh, um, Davis might be the better rebounder, but Serge the better shot blockers. But comparable, right? Almost in body frame and just their role in the teams by default. Okay. I think Serge Ibaka, the athlete, the guy, the the talent and ability absolutely plays in the 90s. Again, you'd have to make the case that he couldn't and the case that the game was played a certain way and then all of a sudden a guy like, what, he, he's never felt contact before by, by a guy who's equally as <laughs> strong? No, that, just, that, that doesn't hold weight to me. And, and, okay. And, yeah. So, okay, guard play. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, you're touching on some, some really key parts like holistically in terms of just yeah. the the... the um, not the X's and O's, but like the intangibles of the game that I think get yes. overlooked. We'll get, but I do want to dive into. But in terms of X's and O's, guards. Um, how about that? Like, okay, because I know it's straightforward. People say, "Oh, well, today's guards shoot more, they score more, right?" So therefore, that's better. But, um, but like that one is that as clear cut? Yes. Or is it actually just okay? It's clear cut. I was going to ask, is it James. more just? James Harden wins every single scoring title in the 1990s. Like it's it's okay. it's not even close. Who's gonna guard him? Okay. Who's gonna guard him? Um, okay. You would have to. Again, it's it's. How about the girl or people though? Because um, I think what the arguments are when people start talking about the absolute best in their eras, I mean, then it's less fun. And it's like like I think for the most part, the absolute best will always figure out ways to adapt. Like I think like. All right. It's here's, more here's, the guys in the middle. Here's, I'm curious here's, about. Yeah, okay, so, all right. This is the best way I can answer this question. And you're right. I don't know how he does Oladipo. I don't know. You're right. He might be, um, you know, he might be a, uh, he might be a uh, Byron Russell. You know, uh, who knows, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just picturing a guy like Detlef Schrempf. I don't know. Like he's maybe, he's maybe in that ilk, okay. and um, and he floats there. Let's say the the skill part of it, the X's and O's part of it. So John Stockton would like to just sort of pass, pass. Like he's always trying to set up plays, right? He's trying, he basically like Steve Nash before Steve Nash, right? And so, mm-hmm. which we're kind of, it's really interesting. We talk about the 90s so much though, but we don't, we always gloss over like, um, really like a really good tens run, like with a lot of really great players. Cause that's like the Renaissance of the NBA after like the 2000s was a very dark period where there just wasn't, you didn't really see guys really reach their full potentials. There's just a lot of flameouts. Whereas from the tens onward is when you just saw, saw a lot of just um, soaring success. Well, you, you'd also um, have to make you'd also have to make the argument that like, you know, what do you do with um, like what do you do with a Steph Curry that can just kind of shoot at will? He needs like forty shots a game. Okay. Like, so if right. Gary Payton guarding Steph Curry, what do you think happens? Yeah. Um. It's 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 a bad night for the glove, or or oh, really or or or, oh. or but but here's the thing, um, 
Gary Payton, the dogged in him, and we've seen, you know, we've seen Kyle Lowry play Steph Curry. We've seen um, Chris Paul play Steph Fred Curry. Van Lee. Fred Van Lee. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fred was Fred was more tactical. I'm talking about guys who actually like kind of body um, step around, and okay. Gary Payton's like prime for that, right? He's he's dogged. <laughs> he's he's in your face. He's trash talking. <clears throat> um, he's relentless. He's he kind of is. He kind of is like all. He kind of is the 1990s glory, um, in terms of what you would want from like like he's six four one eighty. But like people don't, um, you know, um, and he's not like a physical presence. But like he's he's guarding Michael. Like he's guarding all these like guys who are um, more physically imposing. That's how much respect Gary Payton had as a player. So yeah, I mean he's probably the best guy to defend Steph Curry. But okay. um, how do you guard a guy that shoots like forty feet away? You know, I mean, like this would be this would be completely. I mean, Reggie wasn't doing that, right? And Reggie was considered like you think of you think of the guys who were like quote selfish in the nineties, right? That, that took shots they shouldn't have, right? It was guys like <laughs> Reggie. It was guys like Michael. Sometimes <clears throat> it was. Uh, sure. I'm trying to think of some other guards who um, were kind of trigger happy, but but Reggie and. Um, Reggie and John Starks, maybe sometimes. Um, okay. uh, so you, you think of trigger happy guys that 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 um, that should not have taken a lot of shots, and that was kind of frowned upon. Like, what would a league do with a Steph Curry, who's who? A guy like Steve Kerr is like, no, you're taking all these shots. We're building our offense on you taking every good look that you like, because the analytics tell us that when you're shooting that this percentage is going to go in and we're happy with the turnovers. We're happy with the rebounds. So you're asking 1990s NBA to be ready for a Steph Curry. And they obviously weren't like, you know, Bill Walton, <laughs> Bill Walton would be losing his mind on NBA. And he's oh, this is deplorable offense. Oh, yeah. Like, Bill Walton. He's the worst. The, the, the complete worst, the complete worst. So our mutual friend, Marco Rodden, like I remember him like, it's true. Like we'd be watching, like I don't even know. It'd be like it would be Michael versus Dominique, and sure. they were like, "Oh, today's game is going to come down to Bill Wellington and uh, and." Like, what, what are you talking about, Bill Wall? I'm like, no, the bigs, the bigs have no part of this game, right? And we were just so yeah, Bill Walton. But but Bill Walton speaks to like again the machismo, the big man. You know, that's where games were won. Um, Michael Jordan was winning MVPs, but after Michael second third fourth fifth and mvp voting and the years that michael didn't win were all bigs it was definitely a big man's um league so mm. i i don't know how gary would play a steph curry maybe steph curry would not be allowed like the second the steph curry chucks up a shot um george carl is probably like what are you doing sit down no never again <laughs> like you're you're not ever taking that shot again even if he sinks it right because you know, like Hoosiers and stuff like that, you have those coaches, they're like, oh, four passes plus a shot. They don't care if you make it because, you know, um, the basketball was very much regimented sport and like, you know, strong armed coaches were. Yeah. Shaq you know talked I mean? about that. Shaq right. said that he wanted to play like Giannis when he came in and he thought he, and he actually, from what we've seen in all-star games and like, what, I mean, all-star games aren't the same thing, but what I understand about his skill is that he actually can play face up. He can run with the ball. Yeah. But like, but like, it just wasn't the convention and coaches exactly. said, no, 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 big man. You're not going to do that. Yeah. What, uh, before we go into the tangibles, like, so Steve Nash, who's not 2020, but I mean, he mm -hmm. retired in like a few years ago. 
What about him in that he, era? He, playing he, he, he's he's obviously a more pal palatable version of. I mean, coaches like he's like a coach's dream, right? He's okay. like X is an old guy, running gun, can pass, can score a little bit. Um, he can take X, contact. He's tough. He's he's, he's tough. I can't remember yeah. Steve Nash if he was a defensive liability or not, but I feel like yeah, people said he was, but I don't like yeah, like. I think people didn't really. This goes back to the point we were making about different, not maybe people not being ready for a team. Like because people, yeah. people used to say, "Oh, that they don't play defense," but they were just playing at a faster pace. From what I understand, yeah. like the I'm I'm not going to dive into the analytics. That's not what I do. But basically, like they just they play defense because you you can't win a game if you <laughs> if you haven't scored more points in a team, right? That's the like, thing, that's right? And and, the math, and here like, and here in Toronto, when it was TJ Ford and Jose Calderon, that was the thing, right? It's like, oh well, Jose can't play defense, but every time he was on the floor, there would be like plus, <laughs> plus seven in point differential, right? So, um, yeah, they they kind of got that rotation the wrong way, and and I guess Sam Mitchell was, oh, yeah. you know, he he to you know he he was dealt a bad hand, right? Because on one hand, Jose Calderon, uh, you know, would get blown by on 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 offense or on defense, and it would it, it would look bad. The guy would try, but you know, just, just didn't have it. But you know, the offense has gelled a lot more. I think Chris Bosch like had better possessions and and team flow with him on the court. So back to so, Steve Nash. Yeah, he's so Steve Nash is like so we can see the evolution, right? John Stockton, Steve Nash. So now. Steve Nash can pass like John Stockton doesn't get the I don't think he ever averaged 18 assists a year or anything like that or three steals a game but you know we consider him the evolution of a John Stockton because um you know he could just he could play in a faster paced game more run and gun he had better athletes guys that would yeah. run like Amari run John Johnson won um uh, Matrix would run like all these guys he just had runners on his team and yeah. um, so that's why we consider him like, you know, the the evolution of, of John Stockton, right? And then the precursor to uh, Stephen Curry. Like, I mean, he's talked about how he was trying to be un trying to be selfless, pass the ball, but he realizes analytically he should have just been shooting more. It mm -hmm. would have just opened up, opened up the court even further. And yeah. Mike D'Antoni realizes that too. And so that's yeah. one of the regrets that they have. So then, okay, you're, when you talked about the defense, so – in terms of the intangibles, just holistically from today's game and even the past few years to the 90s, like you touched on some of that stuff about, you know, guys paying attention to nutrition. The teams have nutritionists. They have um, better equipment to like rehab and like just better science. Like a lot of that stuff, they're just tracking things analytically. Yeah. So it's like, it's really like essentially like the Navy SEALs going up against like, you know, like some third world like like um militia you know what i mean like yeah. it's just it's different and yeah people will say well you know like they go into uh whatever that area in afghanistan they don't they didn't take it over they didn't win they didn't win mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. you know what like like on a macro level like okay but if they really wanted to just straight up blow everything away then they, they could but it doesn't really serve a purpose to to do that so okay we're not going down that way but the point is is these teams um they're just such well-oiled machines. It's so sophisticated now. Like, I think one of the things that would be it would be kind of cool to do. I mean, if we ever if, like whatever, we don't have time. We 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 got kids. But like, you know, the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. Just just like the fact that you they can 
bring in all these brilliant minds to like look at this kind of stuff and figure mm-hmm. out how to run a, run it like essentially essentially like any other efficient business like it's a tech company um it's just permeated and just gotten things better it's like it's not just some it, it's essentially the nba today it's like basically like silicon valley operations versus like yeah some tire factory in the 90s like that's what the nba in the 90s is it's like some tire factory that just hasn't quite even implemented an erp system like that's basically the difference between the two you know um the uh the um uh just like and also like in terms of x's and o's like when you talk about jose calderon getting blown by or like um the thing is i think and teams realize like it's about this it's a system defense yes like back in the old days like it was just like you know you just sort of guard your guy and he's not really running around or anything he's just sort of standing still in the post or in the three-point line and you don't have to move so then whereas today like if you look at these screens and like you look at the way that they move on defense and tom thibodeau i think with the doc rivers like they have started really being the ones who did this kind of stuff realizing you just move the guys on a string make sure you just keep covering like the next open space like it and 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 so like that's just so there's a level of sophistication there where that um makes it more complicated so i know the quickest thing when a lot of people who tout the 90s they say well no hand checking no hand checking hand checking Mm -hmm. and it's like okay there's a couple things here i think that are sort of forgotten is like the defensive the defense was not really played at the highest level every possession in the 90s. Like a lot of the game, they would just sort of let the guy just walk it up half court, just like, just run a set. Like it wasn't like, the, like these guys today play intensely, like throughout the whole game. And, like, and what about and what about bigs just being able to like camp out just, and like, yeah. yeah, no, no resistance. Like Shaq, okay, Shaq, obviously no one was going to move him, but you know, Akeem was just able to like, like David Robbins will clearly just let Akeem settle in and because they knew that's where the play was going and it was just accepted. And, and the thing is, is yeah, exactly. And like, when we talk about toughness is like, okay, hand checking. The thing is that today's players, you talk about them being bigger and stronger. If you hit a player today, the way that they hit each other back then, like the guy today would just get straight crushed. Could you imagine Dwight Howard hitting you the way that, like, what's his name, Bill Wennington might hit you? Like, it's just completely different. You know, it's one thing. It's one thing when John Sally like two hands you coming across the trolley tracks, but yeah, Dwight, Dwight, <laughs> like, okay, Dwight, Dwight like Howard it, hard fouling you. Yeah, I know. Yes, I mean, thank you. In the 90s, yeah, there were some plays like that, and that's what gets shown on the highlights. But you, what I'm getting at is, is the average foul in the 90s, when the guy would hit you, kind of like a foul you. Like the funny thing is they weren't strong and fast. They weren't running at the speed that they're running. They weren't – the guys who were going to foul you weren't as strong as today. So today you're taking these guys who are running super fast. They're themselves quite muscular. Then they're running into another guy who's super strong. It's straight up a collision. It's just like yeah. – um it's just like a car wreck at that point so you kind of have to like the hand with the hand checking they say it's open up the game okay fine that's conventional wisdom there but i think also if you don't have that the players today would just get hurt way worse than it was in the 90s just because of the speed and strength of the players and i think something too is about if you look at the guys today like how i can't remember the 90s like how many among top level talent like how many really bad injuries there were because like today 
I know the word. I mean, I know the word, but it's just today when you think of Christoph Porzingis, okay, ACL, Boogie Cousins, boom, he was supposed to get 200 million, ACL. Uh, Isaiah Thomas had his injuries, stuff. It's just like uh, Derek Rose, Brandon Roy. It's just like guys today, I mean, that was 10 years ago, but just as the game sped up faster and the players got bigger and stronger and longer and taller, it's like you wonder are their bodies like, are they just pushing the human body to a limit that wasn't yes. the case in the nineties? Yes. That's and, what I wonder. And yeah, well, for sure. And there's, there's a sports science element to that. Right. I mean, you know, if, if we could allow more PDs in the sports and kind of <laughs> control it, Oh no, I'm being dead serious. I don't, I don't, I don't like, I, I have a completely, um, my PD stance is that, um, it's, it, it has to change from a war on drugs to, um, to a sports science discussion and not yeah. um, and not and just eliminate the cheating from it even though we know there's a cheating component to it right and there's, there's no doubt about it but yeah you're absolutely right i mean these guys are just going constantly zero to 100 they're training all year round they're dieting all year round they are i mean lebron james is not the only one but you know they're all buying hyperbaric chambers they want more oxygen yeah. in their lungs i mean these guys are just they're just robots they're just they're they're t1000s because of the athleticism and strength of scenarios, like if you have Russell Westbrook running in at full speed yes. to Ruby Gobert, and then Gobert like winds up and smacks Russell, like it's a completely different foul than if Steve Kerr was running into like uh, Robert Ory, like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's different, and so completely. that's why. Like and just even forgetting the contact for a second, like just the pace of the game, running at the what these guys are doing, like. Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins, Christopher Singus, Joel Embiid, like Ben Simmons was out his first year. Blake has had trouble. Like, I'm not going to smash like how Kevin McHale played with a broken foot because, you know, I'm not going to do that. But I'm just saying that like the his style of play and the way the game was played, like <clears throat> there's probably ways you can hide him on a court. You know what I mean? Or Scotty's back problem. Whereas if you were running at the pace of the 2010 Suns, like, mm -hmm. there's no way that you're going to play no. with a broken foot. No. There's no way that Scotty can – well, maybe Scotty could. But, like, so now a few years ago, and LeBron, it was it was the 2018 cast, his last year in Cleveland. He was – yeah, 18. Uh, he played all 82 games. It was a big deal to him. And I think, yeah. like, the reason it was a big deal um, – was because of that we are in the era of load management so mm -hmm. what do you think about a like does that impress you at all like about lebron playing 82 or you're like yes. okay i mean nice achievement whatever uh yes. and then secondly we're gonna dive into load management so okay it's, so you're really impressed by lebron playing it's, 82. It's, it's impressively stupid because like he should not be playing 82 games like again well, I, i'm not a lebron james apologist but i'm just baffled when people try and knock this guy's toughness or that he's not game bred and so let, he let me, couldn't play so yes 82 games is freaking awesome and okay he should not so lebron it. would say that uh lebron's camp would say it's not luck it's a bit of luck but it's entirely lebron's effort that year in year out every summer he's constantly working on his body drops one two million dollars a year yes. just maintaining his body he's been doing that since like since really the mid 2000s even sure, when he was young sure. just because still, he was I thinking think ahead for the future yeah. because you can't um, because, because certain things you can't like you can only have so many fast twitch muscles right some guy well i mean obviously chemically but even that i mean there are limitations in the body he's 
clearly physically gifted and then everything else is just hard work but yeah um, so i'll so meet the lebron camp halfway none of these guys okay. should be playing we know too much about the, okay. they shouldn't be practicing as much they shouldn't be playing as much the regular season should be half the playoffs should be half there's a better way of playing nba seasons we know this um wait you say it should be half. How did you arrive at that number? Okay, maybe not half. Forty-one I games. Like, I don't think you need okay. eighty-two games to determine um, who are contenders, right? Okay. So shorten the season, play every team twice, call it a day, okay. and then you're not going to okay. But and, uh, then, and then your playoff rounds you could probably do with um, I don't know thirty percent more games. I think you're still going to get um, meritocracy. You're still going to get the best team out there the season i mean okay i think what we got to do is come up like if we're going to propose anything it should be viable like because so okay. you you what we've done right there is we've just reduced this we've basically reduced the basketball related income quite a bit if we slash the season slash the playoffs really so, how does that work for nfl though okay the thing is is that this the Right now, the economic structure of the NBA is built around the schedule, right? If you start shortening it, you're going to sell fewer tickets, fewer games. TV contracts are going to get smaller. They won't so they won't be able to generate the same kind of revenue. NFL, they've already – I mean, the NFL, like, they build it around what it is, which is also – you always hear the arguments where they want to add games. The, the owners want to keep adding regular season games because mm-hmm. there's just going to be more revenue. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. Now, what I think is going to happen is – you're going to have like a lot of NBA games. So it's going to evolve into team A, team B, where yeah. you're just maybe you have an expanded roster and it just becomes an accepted norm where, like, yeah, the sports science is there. It shows that the susceptibility to injury is there when players are fatigued, when they've been overworked, when muscles have been overworked. So it makes sense. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I think some people yeah i mean there's a few old people who don't quite understand sports science you know they get they went to youtube med school and so they kind of think that yeah seriously players don't get hurt like dave fisdell who i think might be one of those guys um so yeah like i think the so i think the future is yeah we're gonna we're gonna gradually get used to the idea yes. that you won't see X players all the time like that. But, and I think the league is doing a better job of working with teams to just help them understand like, Hey, like if you're showing up to Portland and you say the rap, um, say Raptors with quiet, you're showing up to Portland and it's the one game, the whole year you're in Portland, maybe quiet shows up to play. Now there's different players who are worth seeing versus others. Um, like, you know, like that, that's, I remember pop Popovich had to, uh, he wrote a letter to some fan who kind of said to him, Hey, you know, like I bring my cut my bring my son to see Tim and mm-hmm. Tony Parker. And it's like the one game and, you know, so pop like wrote a kind of a sincere letter back to explain what he's trying to do and what he has to do. Um, do you remember that game with uh, the heat and the Spurs back in the regular season? I forget which year it was, but what it was with the Danny, it was that championship run. Like they were playing a back to back. They ended up in Miami and, it was an ESPN or it was like a nationally tele. I think it was TNT, nationally televised game. Mm-hmm. And Pop just like sent Danny Green, Tony Parker, and I think Manu, like or Tim, like the whole. There's a bunch of the starters all home, mm-hmm. just after Charlotte. Yeah, <laughs> they I played like some that. regional game. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the, the Heat actually almost lost that game. The Spurs were kind of ahead of the curve on that. So, do you like how do you factor in? Like you don't. It's not a discredit. You're just sort of like, it's not like the player, it doesn't make the players less tough. 
to yeah. have load to have load management. It just means that I like, would argue the, we I have a argue, better. I would argue the opposite. So go on. Okay, I know what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. it takes a certain will to not just give in to your own desire yeah. to go play. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think the thing is, well, I think they all do want to play. And I think that it just comes down to really strong management, um, mm-hmm. discipline management. I think the thing is, is because, again, there's more data and there's more knowledge about the idea being you're going to you're either going to sit on the bench or at home or in this case on the bench, because either you have been injured and now you're going to recover or we're going to sit you on the bench before you get injured. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's literally just the difference of. Are yeah. you going to sit on the bench before an injury or after an injury? Now, if we yeah. can sit you on the bench before an injury, we won't have to sit you on the bench for longer. Yeah. So, but what I want, the reason I wanted to bring this up was because like Kawhi is the poster child of load management because yeah. that's where the phrase really came about, mm-hmm. but he's not the originator. <laughs> you know who I think the, the originator and in my opinion, who holds the crown for load management? It's Michael. Yeah. Like that's it. It's yeah. Michael Jordan. He Michael took, Jordan. He, he is took a year king. and a half off. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm stressed. I'm tired. I just, I, I can't handle baseball. the media yeah. putting me in their newspapers that only come mm-hmm. out once a day. Can you imagine? He couldn't handle the media scrutiny for once a day. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired. Even though we don't really have to run that hard like the way that they have to do in the 2010s. And then he's like, all right, I quit. I'm out. Like, could yep. you imagine Steph Curry in the middle of the Warriors run? I don't like this. I quit. I'm out. I'm just going to. I'm just gonna sort of, you know, sell some uh, shoes and some belts on Instagram. I'm just gonna pose for like a year, like like Conor McGregor has his whiskey. I'm just gonna have it yeah. on him for for about a year and a half, and then if it doesn't really work out, I'll come back to the NBA. Could you like? It would be yeah. It's like Shawn Michaels, really. I mean, I, it's like could you imagine if be, that yeah. happened today. And so then, and then, so then he comes back. He gets a three peat, and then okay there's different reasons why he may not have signed another team okay i'm tired I'm, i need a break so he takes a break and then he comes back he did it twice yeah yeah straight load management so yeah um i think that's, what's that's gonna really happen common. with ba- basketball is as we get more eras than more generations then there'll be a appreciation for the fact that there's different generations the issue is that unlike baseball basketball the nba was a real it's a real it was been it's been a relatively young league so yeah a lot of the all-time greats are actually still alive and so therefore mm-hmm. you think you can compare them a lot of the people who are writing have actually seen a lot of them play um sure. some, like not everyone but you definitely hear some guys say ah, i've never saw so-and-so play but whereas yeah. with baseball like no one saw ruth no one today no. saw ruth no one today no. saw like joe joey d like so like okay there's the dead ball era there's like the the era of segregation where babe ruth didn't even play against black players like no, that's not exactly. like i don't think you can really evaluate him like the no. same way then today and then there's like you the can't. steroid era yeah right so right. and then there's the this is like the i don't know what you call this the international era the all these yes. other players well whatever i mean who knows but like yeah. but i mean like the baseball seems to um understand that whereas yeah. basketball hasn't quite got there it was good. So conclusion, Michael Jordan is the king of load management and he showed Kawhi, who was his Jordan brand uh, employee, I guess, his spokesman that, yeah, the way to win a championship is just sort of just take some time off and then you'll be fresh to win the next championship. Okay, man. That's, I think that's good, man. So um, thank you, everybody. If you have any thoughts, if you want to flame us yeah. at Bayheights, Bayheightspod at gmail.com at Bayheightspod on 
Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, we, we welcome any feedback or address any questions you have. All right, next time, guys. Take care. Take care.